ahead, grab a seat real quick. Grab a seat. Hey, do y'all like the band? Didn't sound like it. That's all you're going to give the band? That's it? You like the band? Yeah, me too. All right, hey, uh, before we dive into the message tonight, I just want to give you a couple uh, quick announcements. Uh, Make sure you pay attention to these because some of these are coming up pretty quick uh, and you'll want to go home. Make sure you tell your parents, hey, check your email because Nathan sent all this out in the email. Uh, But you you need to get registered for some of these things, so make sure you write these down, go home, talk with your parents about this. First thing, hey, not this Friday, but next Friday on November 9th, uh, we've got our next middle school hangout. Yeah. Now listen, listen, some of you, some of you came to this one last year, uh, and great job, you did what I asked, and you kept this game a complete secret. Uh, This game that we will play at Middle School Hangout is only for those who come. If you miss out, you got to wait till next year. If you're in eighth grade and you don't come, you'll never get to play this game because we don't tell the high schoolers about this game because this is is middle school's, like, secret game, okay? All right, but, hey, you want to make sure you sign up for this. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. You need to wear all black uh, because you won't want to be seen. Uh, The whole church will be blacked out. Hopefully you don't run into anything or break anything, because if, if you do, I'll have to pay for it. Uh, but hey, I'll tell you this. Uh, this game is uh, a crazy, elite game that you've never played before, that you, uh, if you were here last year, you've been asking for it. I know like Lila, yeah, Tatum, uh, they've been asking for us to play this game all the time. I think you have, haven't you? You've been at, yeah, yeah, sure, thumbs up, right. If not, just go with it, okay? Just go with it. Uh, so, hey, make sure you sign up for that. Uh, dinner's provided. It's only like 10 bucks. Uh, that is next Friday. Hey, uh, if you are here last week, uh, you learned about this as well. We have a Costa Rica mission trip uh, info meeting coming up on November 12th. Uh, this coming summer, uh, in June of 2024, we're going back to Costa Rica uh, to work with some, uh, some close friends of mine. I grew up with them, uh, really their kids. Uh, they're the same age as me, went to church with them, and then uh, when I was about sixth grade, they moved as a family down to Costa Rica, uh, and they lived there full-time as missionaries, and so we're going to go down there, work with them for about a week. Uh, it is a, an amazing trip. Uh, I always get asked this by students, uh, hey, you're going out of the country, that must mean it costs a lot of money, and the, the simple answer is yeah, uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not a cheap trip. Uh, But what we do uh, is we'll give you like a donation link that you can send out to friends and family and ask people uh, to help you go on a mission trip uh, to spread God's gospel and his word, his love uh, in Costa Rica. Hey, we'll get all that to you before Christmas if you're going so you can, hey, you know, grandma, grandpa, instead of buying me a gift for Christmas, would you donate uh, to my mission trip? So there's a bunch of different ways that we can help you get to Costa Rica. Uh, Every single person that went last year went fully paid. I don't know that anyone had too many issues, so hey, we'd love for you to come, but you need to come with your parents uh, November 12th after the 1115 service here at Castle Pines to our info meeting. Hey, winter retreat coming up quick, guys. Uh, February 2nd through 4th, a lot of you are already signed up. If you're not, we've got about, I think, 20 spots left. Uh, There's about 80 of you already signed up, which is amazing. Uh, We've got room for 100 students to go. Uh, and after that, we'll have a wait list, uh, so we don't want you to miss out on that. 
would love for you to come hang out for the weekend. We're going down to Sky Ranch in Westcliff, Colorado. They've got a tubing hill, a bowling alley, a, a huge gym. Uh, but most importantly, we're going to spend the weekend diving deeper into God's Word. That's why it is called Word Winter Retreat. Uh, because at the end of the day, we just want to go away for a weekend, no distractions, and we want to spend time growing closer to the Lord and diving deeper uh, into His Word. So, hey, we'd love for you to sign up uh, and be a part of that with us. Uh, hey, again, with stuff like this, uh, never, we never want money to be an issue, so we have people in the church who have graciously said, hey, I'll sponsor a student to go to winter retreat if they can't pay for it themselves. Hey, Sunday Bible study is back on this Sunday down student room, uh, 1115 service here. Uh, and then the Christmas store is kicking off uh, donations. You can start bringing those. As I said last week, uh, by grade and gender, we're having a competition. So whoever brings uh, the most donated items will throw you a pizza party, an ice cream party, really whatever your small group wants. Hey, on your seat when you walked in or at the bottom of your notes, you got a connect card. We'd love for you to fill that out. Drop it in the white buckets in the back uh, on your way out. The most important section on that card is the prayer request section on the back. Guys, we pray over these every single week. I know you've heard me say this, uh, and I truly mean it. We, we sit together as a middle school team, and we pray over these cards every single week. And some of you, man, like, I, I could not imagine walking through some of the things that y'all are walking through at your age. Like, some of you are carrying some really hard and heavy things, and I want you to know that we're here for you. We're praying for you. Your small group leaders are here for you. We're, they're praying for you as well. So fill that out as you're comfortable. Drop it in the buckets on your way to group. Hey, let's pray, and then we will dive straight into the message tonight. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for this evening, uh, and we thank you that we can come uh, to midweek tonight. And God, we thank you that we have uh, another opportunity to grow closer to you, to learn more about your word, uh, and honestly, to learn more about how you want us to live, and, and to learn more about how your word applies to our lives. So God, we ask over the next couple minutes that you would just open our hearts to receive your word. God, I pray that you would speak through me to these students. It would be your words, not my own. Students, if you're open to hearing from God tonight, I'd just invite you to pray. It's a really simple, honest prayer. It's a Prayer we pray every time we gather at Journey, whether it's a, a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night. And it's just a simple, honest prayer asking God to speak to you, something like this. God, please speak to me tonight because I am listening. And then pray for somebody else. Maybe it's a friend you're, you're sitting next to. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe you have no idea who they are. Just pray a, an honest, simple prayer asking God to speak to them, something like this. God, please speak to this person tonight and give them the faith and the courage to respond to you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, hey, over the last couple of weeks, we have been in this series called Out of Context. Uh, and this series, over the last four or five weeks, uh, we have highlighted some really popular passages of Scripture uh, that people love to slap on their Instagram bios, or they just love to quote. Uh, but what ends up happening with a lot of these verses is when people quote them or try to apply them to their lives, they take them out of context, meaning they don't apply them the way that that scripture was meant to be read or intended for us to use in our lives. 
And so we've been looking at these, these passages of Scripture, and we've been trying to recenter those passages in context to truly understand what God was saying to us when, when he gave the author those words to write. When he gave us Scripture, what did he mean? So every week we, we've been giving you an idea of how context changes the different situations that we're in. Uh, the first week, uh, I mentioned, you know, I asked you a question, hey, is this enough water? And it was a half-empty bottle of water. And, and really, the question was, for what, right? The context of the situation changed whether that was enough water or not. Dalton had a really funny example last week uh, when he taught about a guy going on vacation, and I won't retell the whole thing because I'll butcher it. So I just want to ask you a question tonight. Uh, when you're in school, if you get a 25 on a quiz, is that bad? Out of what? Uh, out of what, right? That's the question, right? Context matters. If it's a 25 out of 100, I think I would just figure out a way to not go home for a while, right? Uh, I think I, uh, listen, been there, done that, like stuff that quiz all the way into the bottom of your backpack, throw it out. Uh, don't lie about it, but just go, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember what I got on that quiz, right? Because a 25 out of 100, guys, listen, either we didn't study or we need to get off our phone and put the AirPods up in class or I don't know. 25 out of 100 on a quiz, not good. But a 25 out of 25, right, is it's great. A 25 out of 20, meaning you got the bonus question right, that's amazing, right? Great job. Right, so the context of the situation changes everything. Right, and we've been hitting this point over and over again that context changes everything. Changes everything. And when, we, when it comes to Scripture, the reason that we have been spending the last couple weeks uh, talking through context and looking at these different passages of Scripture, trying to understand truly what the author is saying, is because context tells us why Scripture was written. Right? When you read a specific passage of Scripture, the context of that verse is going to tell you why that verse is important, it's going to tell you why it was written to the people it was written to originally. It's going to tell you how you should apply it to your life. So tonight, we are wrapping up this series. Uh, we, if you have your Bible with you, uh, we will be in the Gospel of Matthew. Hey, side note, anything out there on that, that table outside the garage doors, including the Bibles on that table, they're free for you to get. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and we run out of the Bibles that are on that table. I think we only put four out there to start out. We've got a whole box of Bibles downstairs, and we've got boxes on boxes throughout the church. So we want you to have a Bible, right? If you don't have a, a paper Bible that looks like this, we want you to have one, okay? So let us know. Let your leader know. We'll even get you one before you leave tonight. But Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be in verse 1. It's on the screens if you don't have a Bible. Here's what it says. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, a lot of people love this verse, right? A lot of people love the words, really the first half of that verse that says, hey, do not judge others, right? And that's honestly how a lot of people read this verse, right? They read this verse, and they stop at don't judge others. 
People love this. Because at the end of the day, if that's, the, if that's truly what Jesus is saying, is that you shouldn't judge me and I shouldn't judge you, then really what that saying is, don't tell me how to live. You don't tell me how to live. I won't tell you how to live. Don't judge me. I won't judge you. We read it as don't judge others. And I think under the surface here, there's, there's two ways that we kind of try to use this verse. And, and the first way that I think that people try to use this verse is to affirm the way that they're living. If you're taking notes, I'd just write that word. How we read it, affirm. Right? Maybe it's people are trying to affirm the, the decisions that they make. Right? If I came up to uh, Tatum and I said, Tatum, I really disagree with the uh, decisions that you're making. Well, she could just pipe back at me and combat that with, hey, Nathan, Bible says don't judge others. So why don't you just stay out of my business and you let me make the decisions that I want to make. Right? Maybe people use this verse to uh, affirm the people that they like. Right? The Bible's very clear about relationships. But people love to use, hey, don't judge me. Bible says don't judge me. Let me like who I want to like. Right? They use it uh, to affirm the way that they live their lives. And at the end of the day, it boils down to this sense that they say, the Bible says you shouldn't judge me. Let me live my life the way I want to live my life. So people use it to affirm their lives and the decisions that they make. You stay out of my business. A way that I think a lot of us in this room may use it is to avoid. Right, kind of the, the opposite side of this. Right, maybe we see a friend that's making poor choices, that's making poor decisions, and we know that. But we're going to use this verse of, ah, you know, I could go warn them that they're making bad decisions or headed down a wrong path. But you know what? The Bible says not to judge, so I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm going to avoid the hard conversation. So I think people use this verse wrongly out of context to either affirm or avoid in their lives. And that's wrong. Right, because at the end of the day, what that says, the way we read it, is let everyone live life their own way. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that just simply doesn't work. If we were all living life our own ways, I mean, we kind of see it playing out in the world. It's chaos. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work because that's not how God designed it. It's a wrong way of reading this passage of Scripture. So let's look at it in context. Let's read beyond verse 1. So Matthew 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. By the way, that's the NLT. I'm reading the NIV so that's why it's slightly different. Forgot to mention that to you. Verse uh, 3. Hey, it's important. Verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? 
you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when we look at this passage in Scripture, I think the key question that ultimately is asked and that we have to ask ourselves is, what is judgment? What is this thing called judgment that Jesus is talking about? And he's saying, I mean, he's very clear, right? He says, don't judge others. So if it's not that black and white, and it's not just simply we shouldn't go judge others, what is judgment? What is this judgment that Jesus is talking about? So I want to give you two, two really definitions of judgment. And the first one is to analyze or evaluate. To analyze or evaluate. This is really determining, hey, is something good or bad? Is something right or wrong? Right? It, it, it's looking at a situation and determining the right thing, the right way, the right decision, the, the good decision, and identifying the wrong and bad so that we avoid those things. Right? We analyze or evaluate. And I, I think we would all agree those are really good things that we do on a daily basis. And and we'll get to it in a minute where Jesus and and Paul, they both touch on these things. And and this is good, right? We're, We're told to discern the right path, to discern the right way, to follow the right path, which is Jesus. On the flip side, though, there's this kind of wrong type of judgment. That I think, honestly, I'm guilty of this. I'm sure maybe you are too. And it's when we condemn, we punish, or we avenge. We seek revenge uh, on a friend or a different situation. And that's wrong. And so when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge, he's saying do not condemn, do not punish. Do not seek revenge. You know, I had a moment in my life. Uh, I've told you some of my story uh, and the relationship that I had with my dad as I was, as I was growing up. Uh, and on into college, uh, my dad and I, we did not have really a relationship at all. And if he was in the room right now, he would tell you the same thing. In fact, I'll probably, he watches all the messages. I'm sure I'll get a phone call tomorrow that says, yeah, you're right. It, it was a, a terrible relationship. And, and really, the only times we talked were when I needed money or I needed something from him. Especially when I was in college. Right? If I didn't have any money in the bank account, called up dad, hey, what's up? Other times he'd call, I'd just let the phone ring. We didn't have a relationship. And really what it stemmed through is I had blamed him through my parents' divorce. Now, hear me say, like, there's always two sides. There's always two sides there. But I had blamed him, and I was, I thought, punishing him. I had condemned him. And I was trying to judge him based on what I thought he deserved through what I felt he had done to me. And I can remember uh, I was out of college I was down in Destin, Florida, started a student ministry job. And I just felt the Lord speak to me saying, you're judging your dad. And my word says, do not judge. It is not your place, Nathan, to punish 
or to condemn, to decide what someone's punishment should be. There's only one person who has that job, and it's God. God is the only one who has the power to do any of this. It's not your job. It's not my job. So when Jesus says, do not judge, this is what he's speaking to. I want to read from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. We're going to read uh, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 5. It says this. Paul is saying, it is actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. He's speaking to the church in Corinth. And of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. Right? Pagans are people who just don't believe in God. And he, he, Paul goes on to say, he goes, you're proud. You as a church, you're proud. But shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Right? He's saying, you shouldn't be proud. You should be angry. You should be upset. You should have kicked this guy out. For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed, what's that word? Judgment on this man. So when you are assembled, I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Hand this man over. Hand him over. Throw him out. Right? Paul's pretty clear there when he's speaking to this church in Corinth. Someone's not living right. And what does he say? You may not have passed judgment yet, but I have. There's a right way for us to live. And this man, he is not living the path that God has called us to live. Hold him to a better and higher standard. And if he's not willing to come back around, there needs to be some serious conversations, some serious discussions. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, Here's what it says. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Right? NLT says, don't trust every prophet. And it goes on to say, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Right? Every prophet that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every prophet that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So, so what's the author saying here? Hey, you need to discern, you need to judge, you need to decide who is right, who is wrong. You need to judge. You need to evaluate. You need to analyze things. And so scripture is clear that we are to do these things. We are to evaluate right and wrong, good from bad. And you're to do that in your own lives first. But as we're seeing in these passages of Scripture, we're also to evaluate those things in the lives of others. All right, some of you in this room, we've had these type of conversations where we, we've sat down and I've said, Hey, Dalton, you're just making some poor decisions, buddy. This is like an often conversation with Dalton, right? Yeah, come on, man. I'm just mad when I lose in pickleball. That's right. 
Side note, I was down 8-1 the other day. He only beat me 15-13. So who's the real loser in that one? Listen, still me. But some of us, we've had these conversations where we've sat down and, and we've said, hey, man, like, I just don't know that we're making the best decisions here. I don't know that you're living the right way. And we've had this conversation, and a lot of times in those conversations, the words that you'll hear me say is, I've struggled with this too. I've been there. I've been there. Because nobody in this room is perfect. No one in this room has it figured out. I have my own sin, my own struggles that I, I deal with and I work with just as you do. But we're, we're all called to determine what is right and what is wrong. And let's be honest, look to your left and right. The, the people sitting next to you are probably your friends. You guys tend to do that. You guys tend to sit with your friends. Imagine that. Why are you friends with them? Just think about that for a second. Why are you friends with them? Because when you looked at them, when you looked at them, you decided that they were a good friend versus a bad friend. Now, some of y'all might need to reevaluate some of the friendships in your life, but that's a whole story for another day. But, but you looked at them and said, I could be friends with anybody else, but you're a good friend for me. You evaluated and you determined good from bad. And Matthew 7, right, like, Jesus is clear, right? Like, we're not meant to be critical. We shouldn't condemn. We shouldn't seek revenge. And when we evaluate, right, we need to make sure that, that we've taken care of the things in our own lives, too. But the question at the end of the day, when, it, when, when we're asking ourselves, hey, it, in judging, am I right or am I wrong in doing this? The question that you have to answer is, are you being constructive or are you being critical? If I'm just going around criticizing every decision that Dalton is making, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably putting him down. But when I come to Dalton and I say, hey, man, here's my heart. I care about you. And at the end of the day, I want what's best for you. And I'm trying to build him up, and I'm trying to be constructive and help him. I acknowledge that, hey, I, I don't get it all the time either. But I'm trying to help him become the best person that Jesus has called him to be. Then I'm being constructive, and that is absolutely what Jesus would ask us and call us to do. So when we look at this verse in context and in the larger context of the Bible, I want to give you a couple scenarios or options when it is right for us to judge. And then I want to give you some, hey, like if you're doing these things, it's wrong. So first thing, it is right for us to judge when we're determining which leaders to follow. When you are determining in your life the, the best people to follow, the people that you're going to listen to for advice, the, the people that you're going to allow to have influence over your life, you should absolutely judge. And that's why I'll tell you time and time again, do not go to TikTok for advice. Do not go to TikTok to tell you how, what the Bible says. Don't do it. Because you have no idea of knowing who that person is, how they're living their life, if they're a good leader or a bad one. 
I can tell you some really great leaders in here that have already been judged for you, and they're sitting in this room. Every single one of your small group leaders, they're good leaders. They're good people that you should, that you should follow. Every high schooler that's in this room, they're good leaders. They're people that you should listen to and follow and look up to and seek advice from. You need to judge when you determine which leaders to follow. Hey, some of you, you need to hear this. You need to be judging when you decide which friends to have. Some of you, you have great friends that are sitting in this room. But if we saw all of your friends at school, it might paint a completely different picture. Some of you need to evaluate your friendships better. Because some of your friends are leading you down a path that you do not need to be walking. You need to judge when you decide which friends to have. And then when you see people, when you see a friend or someone else drifting and making poor choices, guys, if you see a friend struggling for the love, help them out. Here's one thing I know. I don't just go running into sin, super happy, go, let's go sin today. Let's go make bad choices today. That's not what I do. I don't do that. I don't think you do either. But what I need is a friend in my life, someone in my life, a mentor, a leader in my life who will go, Nathan, you're off course. You're making poor decisions. Let's get you back on track. So we need to judge when we see someone drifting and making poor choices. And guys, God has given you this thing called discernment. He's given you wisdom so that you can make wise choices, not bad choices, wise choices. Sometimes you just need to slow down and go, okay, what's right? What's wrong? Let me think about this. Is this going to get me in trouble? Probably. Let's not do it. Imagine how many of you would keep your phone at home if you just took a second to use this thing called discernment. How many times you, would get, you wouldn't get grounded if you just used discernment? Oh, should I talk back to my parents? Should I tell them they're wrong and I'm really in charge in this house? Probably not. Bad idea. Bad idea. Been there, done that one. Learn from someone who made that mistake. Don't do it. Make wise choices. Here's where it flips, though, and becomes wrong for us to judge. And you've probably seen this, if not done this. Right? It's wrong for us to judge if we're shaming someone else for the mistakes that they've made. I've been there. I've done that. I've had that happen to me. I mean, I'll be honest, one of the prayer cards I read last week, one of you, you're walking through this right now, and someone did this to you, and it was wrong, and it hurt you. But my guess is it's not just one person in this room who struggled with this. My guess is there's multiple of us in this room who we've done this to someone or we've experienced this from someone else. Right? It's wrong for us to judge if we're seeking revenge. They wronged me, so I'm going to go wrong them. I've decided that is what they deserve because of what they did to me. It's wrong. That's wrong. Right, it's wrong for us to judge if we're holding a grudge. Right, if someone has wronged you and you're just 
holding that against them. That's wrong. Here's another one. It's wrong for you to judge when you're labeling others. No one in this room should ever be in a situation where they, they're being labeled by anyone but Christ. Christ is the only one who should have that influence in you to label you. Because the things that Jesus labels you are good and holy. He says, you're a son, you're a daughter. You're worthy. You're forgiven. You're loved. But what's true is so many of you, you have felt labeled by other people. Maybe at school, people put these labels on you. Maybe you've put labels on yourself. And that's not good. That's not right. At the end of the day, God has given us the ability to hold each other accountable here. I fully expect that if I'm making poor decisions, Dalton's going to call me out on it. Or one of your leaders is going to call me out on it. They're going to hold me accountable because there's a standard that we live to. Just as many of you, you've experienced this in your life where, where your parents or someone else, maybe is a leader in this room or myself, right? Like sixth grade boys that y'all are sitting over here. Last week I came to y'all and said, hey guys, we're talking too much, right? Your leaders aren't talking because you won't stop talking. And I said, hey, that's not how we do it. Here's how we do it. It's not mean. It's not bad. It's just, hey, sometimes we just need to hold each other accountable. When we look at Scripture, Luke 17, verse 3, says, Watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Rebuke them because then there is repentance and forgiveness. Right? The Gospel of Luke says, hey, when you see someone off path, off course, not living how Jesus has called us to live, it says, Tell them. Tell them they're wrong. Because when they know that they're wrong, then they, be, they can begin to seek forgiveness and repentance. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, you who believe in Jesus, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. You who believe in Jesus, help that person back. If you see someone who has fallen, help them up. I don't think they've made these decisions because that's truly what they want to do. They don't know it's wrong. If I came to you, though, and I just started blasting you, saying the way you, you're living your life is just absolutely wrong, you're probably not going to receive that. But if you and I, we have a conversation where I first acknowledge my sin before calling out your sins, then we'll get somewhere. And so I would challenge you, hey, when you see a friend slipping, when you see them not living the way that Jesus calls us to live, hey, acknowledge your sins before you go call out their sins. Maybe that's a moment between you and God. Maybe that's as simple as when you go to try to help them, you say, hey, I, I've not got this thing figured out either. I struggle with this too. But here's what I know is right and what is true. Acknowledge your sins before calling out the sins of others. I would also challenge you to these things, forgive and seek forgiveness. 
right? Maybe instead of condemning and holding a grudge, maybe instead you would seek to forgive the person who's wronged you. Because just as you're forgiving them, you probably need to seek forgiveness from someone else. Have this mindset of instead of tearing people down, I'm going to build them up. I'm going to build people up. I'm going to make it a mission in life to build people up instead of tearing them down. Guys, I'm tired of seeing students, not just in this room, but students across this area. Uh, I saw it in Florida. I've seen it in Alabama. I've seen it all over the place where students are just getting ripped down and torn down by the people they call friends. And some of you, we need to swap from tearing people down to building people up. Some of you, this is where you're living, though. You've been torn down. And maybe the words that you need to hear tonight are that Jesus has not abandoned you. God has not condemned you. Right, there's something really special that happened 2,000 years ago. Right, because of the, the sins and the mistakes that you and I that we have made, Right, we do. We, we deserve to be punished. Our right, scripture says the, the punishment for our sins is death. But God, knowing this, sent Jesus to die and to take our place, to take our punishment. Jesus took that judgment so that you could walk free. And so maybe the words you need to hear tonight is Jesus has set you free. You don't have to live in shame and live in regret. You don't have to live feeling like you're being judged for the poor decisions you've made. You can live knowing you've been forgiven and you can live free. Maybe you've lived in a place where you're, you've been judging others and maybe you've hurt people through that. Hey, guess what? God has forgiven you for that. And today's a great day to, to decide, I'm done doing that and I'm going to begin building people up instead of tearing them down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this evening, and I thank you for your word that challenges us. And God, sometimes the, the truth of your word, it's not easy to hear. It challenges us and shows us where we're wrong. But God, your word is true. And so I just ask that you would you would challenge us to fully live for you and, and to be people who forgive instead of judging. God, when there's people in our lives that have wronged us, God, I pray that you would help us to forgive and not seek revenge, to not judge. But God, give us healthy judgment in our own lives. God, help us to determine the right way that you have called us to live. And so, God, as we uh, go into the rest of this evening and as we go into small groups, I just pray that you would continue to challenge us, continue to speak to us. Show us the right way that you want us to live. So, God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for these leaders, the love that you have for them. God, I know there's some students in this room who they, they've not experienced that love yet. 
And I just pray that tonight would be a night that they fully experience your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Lexi to come stand over here and get ready. Uh, Nava family, if y'all want to move to the front, hey, girls, I'm going to ask you guys to just shift over here so that her parents can sit right here. Some of you, you've been around for a hot minute, and so uh, you've seen how we, we do baptism at midweek. Uh, but some of you, uh, maybe this is the first time that you've, you've seen baptisms happen at midweek. And maybe for some of you, maybe this is the first time you've seen a baptism at all. And so let me just begin to set the stage here. Right, baptism, it's an incredibly private and holy moment. Right, because baptism tonight is a private moment for Lexi between her and the Lord, between her and God, where she remembers the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy, the love that Jesus has for her. And as she goes under the water, there's nothing special and magic about the water. But it's a moment where she can remember that Jesus, through what he did on the cross, has washed her sins clean. And just as it's private, it's public. Because as she gets baptized tonight, she's saying something to you. To you, she is saying, I'm not living for the world. I'm living for one. I'm living for Jesus. And when you look at me, I want you to see Jesus in me. And we're talking about holding each other accountable. This is where you come in. Because Lexi's saying tonight, hold me to a higher standard as someone who follows Jesus and wants to live every day for Jesus. That's what this is for her. And so in just a minute, (laughs) we're going to invite Lexi to come in. Her leaders are going to baptize her tonight. Uh, We had a hot water spigot put in. Uh, It was just going really, really slow. Uh, So it's cold tonight. So she's super committed. But guys, scripture says that when one person comes to have a relationship with Jesus, there is a party in heaven. And tonight we are celebrating the decision that Lexi has made to follow Jesus and be in relationship with him. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but for the rest of her life. And so while I don't think that we can beat the party that will happen in heaven, I'd like to see how close we can get. So I don't want you to go, yay, Lexi, woo. (laughs) Not what we're doing. We're going to go nuts. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. We're going to go nuts. We're going to go nuts. Because Lexi has been saved by the grace of Jesus. All right, Lexi. Mentally prepare yourself, girl. It's cold. I didn't lie to you. And Lexi, we are so proud of you. And I know Nicole and Bree, they are so proud of you and the decision that you have made to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. And it is because of your decision to place your faith and your trust in Jesus and that alone that we baptize you in the name of the Father, 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to life. Students, you can go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, students, I, I, want you, I want you to honestly hear me when I say this. Hey, if we're walking back to our seat, let's just stay quiet for a second. I want you to hear me when I say this. Midweek's a blast. If tonight's your first night at midweek, welcome to midweek. We have fun here. We go a little crazy, but we like to have a lot of fun. But that's not what it's about. It's not about me beating you in nine square. It's not about the games. It's not even necessarily about the messages. I'm just a guy. It's about this. This is what it's about. It's about a student who has said yes to Jesus. That is why we invite friends. Yeah, we invite friends because it's a lot of fun, but we invite friends so that they can come to a place where at some point in their life they experience this moment where they say yes to Jesus and they say no to the world. Where they say, I'm done trying to live life my own way. I'm going to start living for Jesus and everything that I do. That is why we do midweek. That is why we come to church, to see people, to see students say yes to Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're here tonight. There's a couple of you who were having these conversations where you, you believe in Jesus, but you, you've kind of been what I would call a closet Christian. You're kind of keeping it to yourself. Maybe this is your next step where you need to say, hey, it's time for me to stop living for the world and it's time for me to live for Christ. And it's time for me to let other people know that when they look at me, they can see Jesus in me. But maybe you're here tonight and this guy named Jesus that we talk about, you have no idea who he is. That's amazing. Thank you for being at church. I'd love to tell you about Jesus. Every adult in this room would love to tell you about Jesus. So many middle school students in this room would love to tell you about Jesus. Because Jesus will change your life. And so all I would ask is that you would just ask a question. Who is Jesus? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go back into worship, and we are going to celebrate what Jesus has done in the life of Lexi. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you have done in Lexi's life. God, my prayer for her tonight is that this wouldn't just be a moment but that this would be a point in her life that she will remember for the rest of her life. God, this isn't just an experience. God, this is a point in her life that 40 years from now, she can look back on and go, I remember the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. So God, I pray that this moment 
her baptism, God, you would always help her remember that. God, I know there are students in this room who it's time for them to stop hiding you in their lives. And it's time for them to say, I'm going to live fully for Jesus. And I want others to know about it. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to talk to a leader tonight. Say, hey, it's my turn. God, for any student in this room who, who doesn't know you, who doesn't have a relationship with you, that, that's great. We all started there. I started there, Jesus. But I'm so glad that you didn't leave me there. God, I pray for that student tonight that you would give them the courage and the boldness, the bravery to go up to a leader and say, who is Jesus? Tell me about this guy named Jesus. God, we thank you that you are a faithful God who loves us so deeply. And we thank you that you never give up on us. In your name we pray. Amen.